Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The latest from 7 News with Angela Cox. Good evening and welcome to the latest on our troubled construction industry. The list of collapsed Australian firms is growing by the week. Home innovation builders applied for liquidation in Western Australia on Monday. Last Friday, new sensation homes went into voluntary administration. Condev collapsed last month on the Gold Coast, as did Brisbane-based company ProBuild. WHBO Infrastructure and Monaco Hickey went into administration in February. Hotondo Homes in Hobart went into receivership in January. Homebuyers who gave their money to these companies to build their dream properties are now in limbo. One of those is Tiana Noland and her family who are planning to move into their dream home about an hour outside of Perth. Tiana, what is your family situation now? Um, we're currently uh, living in a shed um, and unsure where our future lies in whether we'll be able to finish our home um, or we will have to um, sell the land and take a loss. So how much money will you lose? At this stage, it's looking like uh, close to 300000 will be lost. Incredible. And you say you're living in a shed. We can see it behind you. Obviously, very basic. Um, you can't do that forever. What are you going to do? Um, unfortunately, our temporary uh, accommodation permit uh, that the Shire approved and gave to us in October last year runs out in October this year. It's only a 12-month permit. So come October, uh, if we don't have a home to move into, uh, we're looking like we're going to be homeless. So you've got children. How are they coping with this? Uh, we've got four children, four girls, um, you know, at first it was a novelty moving into a shed. It was only meant to be a very, very short time frame until our house was finished. But the novelty has certainly uh, worn off. Uh, one of my daughters is uh, autistic and she's really, really struggling with the lack of personal space. Um, and yeah, it, the like I said, the excitement of building for them is no longer. Um, and it's just become another nightmare, um, which we live every day walking out onto site and seeing a shell of a home. So you're being remarkably strong given that you're living with your family in a shed and your dream home is sitting there unfinished and you risk losing $300,000. But does this just bring you to tears with frustration, I guess, disappointment? Yeah, that, look, it's uh, utter disappointment, utter despair. Um, we're just wanting some sort of accountability, some uh, better protection for homeowners um, to stop the heartache that we're experiencing. Uh, you know, we were naive. We thought we'd be protected. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we now know that it isn't the case. So you have actually started a petition to protect homeowners like yourself in WA. Tell me about that. So we're petitioning the WA government to... Uh, better protect homeowners um, through new builds and home renovations where builders have gone into liquidation. Um, WA has one of the the lowest um, policy 
uh, rates uh, claim uh, sorry payout rates uh, in the country uh, they pay out up to a hundred thousand dollars minus the five hundred dollar excess um, which basically in today's market doesn't even um, go near enough um, to being able to finish the house the WA government says it is looking at more ways of better protecting people like you have you had any contact with the government or the liquidators yet no, unfortunately, I've reached out to the WA government multiple times, uh, sent multiple emails, and I've had no response. Uh, the same with the liquidators. Um, we're yet to hear from them and to know what the next steps are and where we all stand. Um, unfortunately, we've all sent emails, um, but are yet, again, to hear a, a get a response. So what happens now? How do you get out of that shed? How much money is it going to cost you? You've already lost 300 potentially. How much more money is it going to cost you to get that house finished by someone so you've got somewhere to live? And do you have access to that money? Uh, so we have started the quoting process uh, to work out where we stand to get our house finished. Um, and the quotes that we've been receiving are considerably more than the original build cost. So one quote was for 570,000 to finish our house. Um, and when we take into account what progress payments are left to draw and the insurance money, it doesn't even come close. And so in the meantime, you've got four daughters and you and your partner living in a shed. I mean, how big is it or how small is it? Have you got a kitchen and bathroom facilities? I mean, I just can't even imagine what your family is going through. No, it's a tiny little 108 square metre shed. Um, we've got four girls, my husband and three dogs. Um, we have a, a area which houses a toilet and a shower and a partial area for a laundry. And then it's just a basic kitchenette with no uh, kitchen appliances. We're using electric fry pans and uh, air, air fryers to make do to, um, until we can find more secure housing or be able to move into our own home. And did you have any warning? Did you get a sense that this construction company was about to go belly up and that you were going to be left with a half-built house? Uh, I started to get some alarm bells uh, when the progress completely stopped um, and it was nearly six months before we even got timber to site. Um, and then we were told that they couldn't get any trades and that they were going to um, do the roof house themselves, um, which again raised a little bit of alarm bells. Um, and then obviously we got the call in late February that they were going under. Um, and then by early March, it was confirmed they were going to enter into liquidation. Well, I'm so sorry for the situation you're in. I really feel for you, but thank you very much for joining us and sharing your story, Tiana. Good luck. Thank you for having me on. Now, it's not just home buyers suffering. Tradies are also being left high and dry when these companies collapse. Dave Noonan from the construction union, the CFMEU, joins us from Melbourne now. Dave, what are your members telling you about the situation? Our members and uh, the people who employ them are telling us that there is um, a crisis in the industry. And the crisis is caused by the fact that we don't have a decent regulation of the system. You see at the moment what happens is that builders uh, receive progress uh, payments um, which are then supposed to be passed on to subcontractors for work done, minus a margin obviously for the builder's profit um, and expenses. Uh, but what frequently happens is that these uh, progress payments and sometimes retention monies 
um, are used for other projects. So where you've got pressure on uh, through uh, uh, very tight margins, we're seeing um, increases in uh, the cost of materials through global supply chain problems, and of course we're starting to see an uptick in inflation. And what happens is, uh, effectively, uh, some builders, and I, I stress this is not every builder, but some builders will use uh, progress claims that are supposed to go to subcontractors uh, to uh, use to pay for other projects, sometimes for their own uh, financial speculation or developments. And when the music stops, um, what happens is that you see there are hard-working small businesses that have done uh, work, done the concreting, the bricklaying and the services and so on, that go unpaid. Their progress claims that are actually being paid for the work they've performed have gone somewhere else and then their employees often go unpaid uh, or we have to go through a painful and long-term liquidation process. So this isn't just in the housing area. It's happened recently. You've got ProBuild there, which was a major commercial builder. In that case, their South African parent company uh, pulled $50 million out of ProBuild, sent it over to WHBO, who you had listed. That's a civil company, one of their other companies. Um, and uh, that uh, uh, WHBO was failing. Um, but of course, pulling $50 million out of ProBuild sent them to broke on dozens of projects right around Australia. They're actually a national builder based out of Melbourne um, and, the, and it's caused uh, huge problems for subcontractors and the unions in the middle of trying to sort that out. Dave, I read the just most shocking figure. The Associ Association of Professional Builders says half of Australian construction companies are on the brink of collapse, that they can't pay their bills and are basically trading while insolvent. Um, why are so many companies in trouble right now? Well, I, I, I'm, that's, that's a figure that I hadn't heard before. Um, I don't know if it's that high. I would be surprised if it is that high. But certainly uh, there are a number of companies under stress um, and I think we have to be careful that we don't um, if you like, over-egg the problem because, of course, trading insolvent is um, an offence under the Corporations Act. But what's going on is that we've got systemic problems in the industry, low margins, uh, big increases in, uh, in the price, and we've got powerful forces, I'm going to call it honestly here, who are resisting change. Um, the union uh, and the federal government, indeed, uh, the, the, uh, the current Morrison government, is sitting on a report from an independent... Um, expert in the industry, John Murray, who made very important recommendations for changes, including trust account protect the payment of subcontractors. Um, and Mr Morrison has refused to act on that. Um, he sat on that report um, and organisations like Master Builders Australia um, seem to think that the current situation uh, should continue. We think there needs to be changed. We think the 88 recommendations of the Murray Royal Commission should be implemented federally and embedded in the corporation's law so that um, homeowners, uh, clients and uh, the subcontractors and the employees who we represent are protected right across Australia. And uh, it's about time that this government implemented the report uh, that they paid for, they asked for, they got the independent expert and they're sitting on it while we see these collapses. It's an absolute national disgrace. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm heartened to hear that you don't think that 50% figure is it, that it's as bad as that situation, but from your uh, viewpoint, if the situation continues without some sort of intervention by the federal government, whichever party wins the election, how many jobs are on the line, do you think? Well, um, the industry employs over 1.1 million Australians, but of course there's also the end users, and you've seen a terrible situation with uh, the family in Perth, and, and you know that's just an awful thing that shouldn't be happening in our country. Um, but there's 1.1 million uh, Australians who work in the industry or in the supply chains to the industry. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's as bad as 50%. I suspect that may be at the higher end of the figure, and I certainly hope it is. Um, but there are hundreds of thousands of jobs potentially at risk. But more than that, there are workers' entitlements that they've, they've accrued that they rely on uh, for their families. There's the uh, big and small businesses who are subcontractors, specialist contractors in the industry, many of whom have been hit by insolvencies time and time again. Um, and these are the people who largely do the concreting, the bricklaying, the plastering, the painting, the roofing and services um, and they really ought to be protected. Now, there's a role for the principal contractors and the builders and the developers, but they ought to be working on sustainable margins and they should not be relying on other people's money uh, to uh, uh, support their businesses. That is a recipe for disaster. Mm. Indeed. OK, well, Dave Noonan, thank you so much for your perspective tonight. Thanks very much for your opportunity to come on and talk about it. Let's go to AMP Chief Economist Shane Oliver for his take. Shane, we've just heard from the unions. Do you agree with the factors that are impacting the uh, Australian construction industry at the moment? I mean, it's certainly a terrible situation, particularly the situation Tina faces in Western Australia and others like that. Um, this is the sort of thing you would normally expect to happen when interest rates shoot up and the construction sector collapses. But the fact that it's occurring when demand has actually been quite strong is very surprising. And I guess it, it reflects the sort of pressures that companies are facing with higher costs. We know that virus disruption has led to um, a surge in costs. So Australians are facing that every day, but construction companies as well. Some costs, uh, raw material costs are up by 15 to 20%, higher commodity prices made worse by the war in Ukraine. At the same time, there's long delays to get um, uh, critical building materials can often take six months when it normally takes, say, one month. So that slows down a whole project. And then finally, we've had a, lock, a lack of uh, uh, certain types of workers. We haven't had the backpackers. We haven't had the immigrants. Um, and that means that some companies lack the low cost, I guess, if you want to put it that way, um, workers or labourers to do the sort of jobs that they need done around their site. So it's a, it's a combination of things, but a lot of it comes down to the disruption caused by the pandemic leading to cost pressures. And that's obviously impacting companies. What about demand? How big is demand for construction in Australia right now? 
Well, demand has been pretty strong. If you just take the housing sector, we've seen levels of construction um, around record levels. In and this is actually houses, not just units. Uh, and that's partly been boosted by very strong demand on the back of very low interest rates and also various government incentives. The government has done quite a lot with the home builder incentives and various other measures to try and encourage demand. So that's been fantastic. But of course, what's happened is that that demand has been strong, but it's also uh, up against barriers in terms of supply of commodities, supply of workers and so on, and that's what's causing the problem. So it's very different to what you'd normally see when construction companies go bust because demand collapses. This time you've got very strong demand. It's really down to the, the problems with costs and also, in some cases, a lack of workers. You would have heard me there uh, quoting the Association of Professional Builders saying half of Australian construction companies are on the brink of collapse and can't pay their bills. Obviously, the union thinks it's not anywhere near that high. What about yourself? Do you think that's a realistic figure? Well, to be honest with you, I, I tend to agree with Dave Noonan there that uh, I, I think that number does seem to be at the high end. I, I certainly hope it's not that high um, because it, it is, if it is that high, we are in big trouble. Um, but I, I certainly hope that it's lower than that. But it does tell us. I mean, when you see one or two companies go bust, that's quite normal. It happens through um, the course of most uh, industries. Um, every so often a, bit, a company goes bust. But to see several in a row, the ones you listed at the start of the program, is certainly concerning. And it's not the sort of thing you want to see at a time when we have an urgent need to spend more on infrastructure. In fact, we've been doing that and we've got an urgent need for more housing in Australia. So to have the companies that build these things go bust is certainly not a good situation. Does there need to be more federal government intervention? That, that's an interesting question. Um, the situation Tina faces herself in in WA is a situation I certainly would not want to be in and I don't think any other Australian would want to be in. Um, and so it does beg the question as to whether there's enough, um, I, I guess you call it insurance coverage, to protect against that situation because both workers, you know, the traders who find themselves out of jobs in their situation and home buyers effectively unsecured creditors um, and that leaves them in a very vulnerable situation if something goes wrong. So I do sort of wonder whether there is a need for some sort of intervention there, whether it's at a state level or a federal level, I don't quite know. But it, do, it just does seem odd that we've got this situation of very strong demand, part of it encouraged by government and rightfully so, and yet we've got these companies struggling. So you do wonder whether the companies, unions, government need to get together and try and work out a solution to this problem. So I'll get you to crystal ball it for us. What is the outlook for the industry over the next six months, do you think? Do you think we'll see more of these companies going bust? Look, unfortunately, I'd have to be a little bit concerned here. Um, I think some of the cost pressures will start to ease as the world eventually goes back to work and we keep having these periodic setbacks like China is at present with lockdowns associated with COVID. But as the world eventually goes back to work, then some of those supply constraints should hopefully ease. Maybe we need the war in Ukraine to also end on that front. But by the same token, we are going to start to see higher interest rates in Australia. And historically, that does tend to make vulnerable companies that have taken on too much debt. So I'm a little bit concerned that if this is happening now, as interest rates rise, then there is a risk that we might see more companies come under pressure, particularly those that still pay co cost pressures at a time servicing costs are going up. OK, thanks so much, Shane Oliver, for your insights tonight. That is the latest on the troubles facing our construction industry. I'm Angela Cox. Thanks so much for your company.